Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Alrighty, folks, we seemingly have a battle brewing between uh, Wall Street heavyweights, Jamie Dimon and Phil Ackman. And uh, I think we need to dig in because they are right now on opposite sides of the trade. And I think we need to talk about it. What are you thinking, Taylor? I think you're 100% correct. And I think Jamie Dimon, the numbers he's putting out there could scare some folks. Um, yeah. So I yeah. think most most folks are like, hey, I hope Bill Ackman's right. I hope Jamie <laughs> Dimon's far from right. <laughs> oh, man, it's funny. Uh, I act, you know, I actually didn't know a lot about Bill Ackman until I think it was like February or March of 2020 when he went on CNBC and did this rant about Hilton going to zero and, you know, all of these things. And then, of course, it comes out that he was short those stocks and made billions of dollars, which just bad form. Um, it absolutely is. But, hey, that, you know, congratulations, your trade workout, I guess. If you can live with yourself, so be it. Um, but it's interesting to watch him kind of. I don't know, mature or experienced because uh, he was just on Seeking Alpha. I watched the replay. I'm uh, not Seeking Alpha on. Um... Delivering Alpha. Delivering Alpha. Thank you. I knew there was a different yep. world. Delivering yep. Alpha. Thank you. And uh, I actually had a, a, you know, I had a, I, I listened, right? Verse kind of react to what I historically saw him do. And of course, I read everything that Jamie Dimon says. So it's it was pretty wild to see these guys. They're just on opposite sides of the trade. One of them will be right, and one of them will be spectacularly wrong, I think. So uh, why don't we talk about Jamie Dimon because he's probably the best known. What, what's he saying now? Yeah, Jamie Dimon is calling for the potential. He's not saying rates are going to go there. But he said, listen, we have the real potential for Fed funds to go to 7 7 7%. 7 <laughs> so, so for context, what do you think that means the 10-year is? So right now we're at five and a quarter, five and a half, and the 10 year sits at four, seven, five, somewhere in that ballpark, four, four, six, five, somewhere in that ballpark. So, and, and this is not a direct relationship whatsoever, but that puts the 10 year up in the another sixes. 100 basis points, 100 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere so, in the low sixes. So let's just call it six. This would be conservative. Yep. All right. As we said in an earlier video, the, the there's a 300 basis point spread between the 10-year and mortgages. So we now have a 9% mortgage. That's what Jamie Dimon is saying, right? Probably nine and a half. Yeah, because if we have that movement upwards, it's because inflation is pressing things higher and the banks aren't going to slim down that margin when inflation's ripping higher. They're like, hey, we don't know where this is going to go. We need that margin for error and it might even be blown out further. So that puts it at nine and a half to your point, which is just ludicrous. Yeah. So again, I want you to, this is what, and I think he said this on an interview in India because I think I watched it over the weekend. Um and again, he's not talking a little chance. He said it's a 40% chance, not four, not 14. He said 40. Right, right. 40% right. chance we can see 7% funds rate, 6% 10-year, that's our numbers, not his, and a nine to nine and a half mortgage rates. If that doesn't make you pucker up, I don't know what would. Because that would, 
that would be bad. That would be bad. Yeah. So all of a sudden you start talking about a 30 year average 30 year mortgage that has moved between three and four times a three and yeah. four time multiple in two to three years. Yikes. Yeah. So, you know, actually the, the, this is what I think is pretty wild. Cause I, I think housing, and again, it's transactions. I think transactions are going sure. sub 4 million. They're probably going to go to three, seven, three, eight, somewhere around there. Let's just say we went to 10% mortgage rates. There's actually not that much more room in transactions to fall because of life events, right? And cash buyers and all these other things, right? So you might get down to 3.4, 3.5 million. Even in 1981 with 18% mortgage rates, we did like two and a half million transactions. So we're not going to zero. What I'm getting at is housing is interest rate sensitive. It's the most interest rate sensitive. It's already feeling the pain. If we have 10% mortgage rates, what does that do for companies? What is that doing for people who have to roll debt over? What does that do for commercial real estate? It would explode all these other things and it would be, it could be an epic disaster. Frankly. Well, that's what I wrote down here. Like we haven't seen a disaster in the housing market from a price standpoint, right? Transactions, we've seen a disaster to, to the point that you've made a ton of times. But the commercial real estate battle that's playing out right now, that one gets uglier, right? Oh, and so, okay. yeah, it, 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 it's interesting to think about that and, and what could happen there. But you also think about credit card debt, which is that, what, 22% right now? All of a sudden that gets pushed up to 25, 26%. Um, and, and as we sit at a trillion dollars of outstanding credit card debt, yeah. um, I, I, I think that Jamie's wrong. Um, Jamie has a tendency. And you say that me. with great respect. I, I do. Yes, absolutely. No, no, I do. I do. Uh, Jamie I know, Diamond's I know. the best. Jamie Diamond's best the best banker, banker of, of of our era, uh, bar none, without question. Bar none, no but question. He does. He does have the tendency to make blasphemous comments, hyper, hyperbolic comments, where yeah. he said, "What was it?" He said a hurricane was coming to the economy yeah. next year. Yeah. No, just hurricane year. just offshore. Right. Right. So again, he 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 says hyperbole, and 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 some of that you don't know what his underlying intent is, but uh, nonetheless, he, he he does make those comments. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, let's switch over to Bill Ackman. Who would have thought Bill Ackman is the adult in the room, going, you know what? The consumer is slowing down, the economy numbers, the Fed's driving with the rearview mirror. There's a lot more weakness. Student loans, you know, oil strikes. Uh, yeah, the economy is slowing down. I think the Fed's done. That was essentially what Bell Ackman said. Thinks the Fed's done. They're going to pause from here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the more modest, moderate approach. I think that's essentially what the market's pricing in right now. The market's certainly pricing in the fact that the Fed's not going higher from here. They're pricing in three interest rate cuts next year, which I think is still, and I believe you think that that's oh, still yeah. Too much. overly Too much. aggressive to think we're going to get three cuts next year. Um, yeah. The, the, the data just doesn't align that way. And now when you do look at the underlying pieces of inflation, which sometimes I get annoyed when other people do this, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like you do <laughs> see, you do see shelter rolling over. And, and this is something yeah. that you've been banging on um, for a while. Owner's equivalent rent is starting to roll over. Um, but you still have on the other side and, and, and granted people say, Hey, oil's not that important because it's so volatile. It's important. It's, it's important. important. From a psychological standpoint, and it's really important to the people that are less fortunate, that make minimum wage and have to drive to work. Everyone making minimum wage drives to work every single day. So right. it disproportionately affects the bottom end. And that's cycling back up. 
We might get some correction in that because the Saudis may take a step back and say, all right, you know what? Instead of cutting like we have, we're actually making really good margins on this right now. Let's start incrementally increasing the oil we're putting in the market. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I just think there's a lot of headwinds. I, I, I can't believe this. I would normally default to being with Jamie Dimon. I do think that he's the best banker in my generation, but I do think he's wrong. Right. I, I, I see the consumer getting weak. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Allianz just put out a report that I read yesterday talking about more than 50% of Americans think there's a, 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 what do they call it? A significant recession coming. And Interesting. 54% of them have more cash on hand than they've had historically. And why is that important? Because the consumer drives our economy. And right. if the consumer is cutting back even a little bit, that's going to be felt throughout the economy. Uh, then you add on top of that student debt. I don't know if you saw these numbers, but it looked like $6 billion in student loan payments were done in September, right? People trying to get ahead of the rate hike. We now have right. it starting October 1st. Estimates are somewhere between 8 and $9 billion. That money's coming from somewhere. Right. Um, you know, then we have higher oil. I don't know if you know this. I mean, you know this, but the audience, oil, higher oil actually helps Jerome Powell. Because it takes consumption from other things. And um, it's just, there's just so many headwinds right now. Yeah. When, when you talk about kind of the reinstatement of student loans, the numbers that I recently saw was the average student loan monthly payment is $503 a month. Now, granted, they have to estimate that, but that's their best estimate. And there's 45 million Americans that are sitting in that student debt category, 45 million Americans paying $503 a month. Um, it, it, it's funny to say, I've seen a lot of studies that show that that's not going to have a huge economic impact, but it's tough to make the argument that that much money throughout that many people isn't going to yeah. make a dent, right? That's 1% of the, that's, that's one and a half percent of the economy, or I'm, I'm sorry, of the population. Yeah. It's, it's, it has to have an effect. It's, it's, even if you go in and you make rosy assumptions, like 45 million folks, let's assume half of them were, were continued making their payment. They didn't, but let's just assume they did. So right. not net new change. Then you're down to 27 and a half million folks. Let's, and oh, by the way, some of those 27 and a half are going to get forbearance or whatever the hell they're calling this going forward. Cause they, you know, they're going to be in Biden's new whiz bang thing. So I don't know, that's 5 million folks. Now we're down to 20. It has to have an effect. And it's funny. I don't, I don't know if you saw it this morning. Uh, but Daniel DiMartino Booth is out talking about millennials who make between a hundred grand and two hundred and fifty grand, so they're not going to be in the Biden, you know, forgiveness camp. Sure. She thinks that there's going to be a biblical, her word, not mine, biblical crisis with millennials declaring household bankruptcies because of student loan repayments, and I don't see it. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. Because again, what what she's basically saying is, hey, these six-figure earners, they went out and bought a home in the last two years. And now they're going to have this student loan repayment and they're going to go bankrupt. And I'm looking at this going, dude, Danielle, they have fixed their housing costs for 30 years. Right, right, their, right. Their payment's not changing for 30 years. And oh, by the way, it's lower than rent. How can that be a problem? And oh, by the way, most importantly, these millennials making between 100 and 250 grand, they were 
they were YOLOing. They were doing a lot of discretionary spending. They were revenge traveling. They were buying. They'll just stop doing those things. I, I can't see a biblical crisis of millennials going bankrupt. Will it happen? Of course, it always happens. But biblical, I, I just don't see it. That's such a stretch word. There's no doubt about it. People will make bad decisions, but when the roof over their head disappears with their bad decisions, they start to correct them pretty darn quickly. And we've yeah. seen that happen throughout history. Again, to your point, this is a fixed cost that they know is coming every single month. And uh, as long as they're at all looking at their numbers, you can budget for this. And I get people aren't great budgeters, et cetera. But if you know there's an $1,100 payment hitting your account every single month, and if you don't pay it, the roof over your head's going away. Yeah, I don't see it. No, and again, it's not like we're talking about folks making 50 grand where there's no margin of error. Right. These are six-figure earners. Right. Perhaps multi. You don't think they can find five hundred and three dollars by stop doing something discretionary? Are you kidding me? Do you think they're yep. that bad? Yep. I don't see it. I don't see. Yep. It. To 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 totally agree. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where can people find you? Yeah, find us at Life Goal Investments. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Life Goal Investments. Appreciate awesome. you, Michael.